Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Turn with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Last week we read about the woman at the the well and how Jesus really saw her in a way no one else did. Today we're looking at a man born blind. Verse 1, chapter 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming when no one can work, but while I'm here in the world, I'm the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go, wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. And so the man sent, went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. And they asked, well, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and I washed and now I can see. Well, where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Lord, this is your word. May it open our eyes today to who you are and forever change us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we looked at the woman at the well last week, talked about how Jesus really saw her when no one else did. Um, the, the two ladies that were here that maybe you noticed, that was my aunt and, and her daughter that was here last week. And she was like, you are eating Twizzlers on the stage. I was like, I know, isn't it great? I was like, I love my job. <laughs> and uh, she, she's a little more old school. And she just couldn't believe I was up here eating while I was a preaching. And I was like, oh, that was an easy day. Like Thomas said, you need to go back and watch her other messages, obviously. <laughs> so... But today, the Gospel of John is giving us even more. It's giving us the great impression of Jesus' ministry here on the earth. That's what I love reading about the Gospel of John. Each Gospel, the reason they're kind of written a little different is because of the audience and, and the intended message. And John's intended message has always been to show the deity of who Jesus was. And so the Gospel of John is giving us this impression of, of Jesus' ministry and how he saw people that society tries really hard not to see sometimes. How he sees people that maybe society tries really hard to just get out of sight sometimes. And in this text, our main character is a man who's been blind since the day he was born. And so he's a beggar, which is an indication this is how he survives. This is um, the only way of making money that he has to support himself. Why? Because honestly, it gives us a view of how the community kind of treated the disabled at the time. And it was not always good, right? So some of the things I want to talk about today, first of all, is theology. 
So that really, when you read, I, I could have read the whole chapter 9 is really the whole story. You need, to, you need to see this in its fullness. So please, that's your homework today. Go home over spring break. That's your casual reading, okay? Uh, read this whole. But last week, Jason was like, how many scriptures do you want up there? He, he was a little amazed at how many we did last week. The whole thing, though, is talking about the theology that Jesus was trying to correct in the church people. Because you see, for the Jewish community, they believed that this man's disability was caused by sin. Okay, and this was a common thing. This was not something of the day that was outstretched. This was a common thing. They thought either the parents had sinned, therefore this disability happened, or the man had sinned. And this, which doesn't make a lot of sense when he was born this way, right? Like, what did he do in mama's womb? Kick the ribs too many times? Like, mamas have thought that's a sin before, right? When that foot or that knee or that elbow gets all up in there. But this was sort of the common thought. And it wasn't that far-fetched. Probably what the reference would have been was in Exodus 20. So when you look at the Ten Commandments, and when God says, don't have any other idols, and he said, you must not bow down to them or worship them, talking about the idols, for I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God. And he said, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. So they would have took these passages and thought, okay, obviously somebody sinned in the bloodline of this person. That's why he's blind. They would have considered him unclean. And based on this theology then, the disciples ask the question. They're just walking down the street. They see this man. Hey, he's blind. Who sinned? Whose fault is it? And I love Jesus. He said, neither. It wasn't the man. It wasn't the parents. He said, but it was for the power of God to be seen through it. Now, I immediately think of Paul in 2 Corinthians. And Paul in 2 Corinthians, remember, he said three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, talking about this thorn in his flesh. And he says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see, I think the power of God was also being seen in this man. He had survived all these years when society had written him off. When they thought there was no hope for him, he kept surviving. And I believe that the power of God was seen in that as well as the healing that we will see. Now listen, when I read in Exodus, when I'm looking at that verse that they probably were looking at, what I see is not a God who somehow punishes and, and causes these bad things to happen, but he's just saying the truth. When we... Step away from God, it causes ripple effects to our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids. You know that. We can look at our own uh, lineage of our, our, our ancestors and we can say, you know, well, this is how grandma was. And we can see it go through the generations. If grandma was that faithful Christian, maybe your family had a great lineage of everybody going to church. 
Maybe like mine, you didn't have such a great lineage and somewhere somebody had to make a choice to do it different, right? And so what I see is that ripple effect that sin can cause in our lives. When one person in the family is hurting, it affects everybody. Is that true, church? Do you understand where I'm going with that? Not that God caused it, right? But because somebody makes a choice. And what I love is Jesus says, hey, nobody did anything wrong here. In other words, we live in a broken world. You see, he was trying to explain, we live in a broken world. And, and we kind of look at this as how the Pharisees and the disciples are looking at it and think, well, that's kind of ridiculous. Like, we understand more today. We know that there's just brokenness in our body. There's medical conditions. There's reasons for some of this stuff sometimes that it just is a broken body in a broken world. But are we maybe still guilty of this bad theology today? I'm just wondering, are, are we still judging people's disabilities and infirmities? Now, I'm not talking, like, I, I understand we have a better grasp of disabilities and, and, and how to love people and, and make room. But yet, sometimes when we look at people's troubled lives, are we not just as guilty as saying, well, you know what they were raised in, right? That's the same attitude. It's the same attitude as the Pharisees were having. We're still judging God, right? What? That sounded kind of scary sounding. But we, we do, we judge God because when something happens, when an illness comes, we think, what did I do, Lord, that you're punishing me? That's the same thought the Pharisees had. They thought that anything that was not normal, not perfect, would have been a punishment. And the Pharisees even went as far as to blame the man himself. And again, how can a baby not even born yet? Now, we all have original sin. Hear me on this. We all have a, we're born. That's why one of them first words is what, mamas? No. Don't y'all love that stage? No, no, no. I promise, JC. No will be the first thing that she will over and over. And that cute little face, it'll save her. But I'm just saying... The cuter they are, the more I worry for you, because I'm thinking that's going to get her out of a lot of trouble, right? But we, we have that tendency. So much of this passage, though, is about Jesus trying to correct some bad theology. The Pharisees were so set on the law, they forgot the love. They forgot to see people. And the disability, it wasn't from sin, it was just from a broken world. And Jesus, he, he did this when? On a Sabbath, by the way. That's really the kicker here for Jesus. He did this on the Sabbath, which immediately sent the Pharisees in an uproar. Because how dare you do that on the Sabbath? Any good Jew knows. Because when you look at the wording of him making the mud, it actually is a word that is about making and doing. It was a labor type word. So on the Sabbath, you couldn't do that, right? Now we see there was a practice here. Verse 6, then he spit on the ground and made mud with his spit and spread the mud all over the blind man's eyes. Now, this was actually more common than you would think. 
This is the grossest Bible study sermon prep I've ever spent (laughs) on researching anything. Because it was actually a common practice to think that spit had medicinal purposes. Very common. Like found in all kinds of literature, all kinds of nations and peoples. Now I'm just guessing this morning. We can test it. But I'm just guessing if I offered for you to come forward and me anoint you this morning with my spit. Who wants to be the first one? <laughs> I love it. So, so we, we're going to have some voluntolds, but not some volunteers. I got you. I got you. But yet this was a common thing in their day, actually. Like, they, they really believed that spit, the saliva, had some kind of medicinal, and especially if it came from someone who was thought to be important or anointed somehow, they thought it was a, a thing. And we laugh, but do you know last year there was a, a pastor in Tulsa that, man, he almost got canceled. Like, they tried really hard on this. In my first view of the video, I was ready to sign whatever petition because I was like, what are you thinking, man? But it turns out this was his actual, like, either brother or brother-in-law. But he was doing this passage, very passage, and he spit. He didn't make mud, though. He rubbed it all over this guy. Face, just, yeah. Like, I, yeah. And I was, and I was, I was so disappointed at first because I was like, I, I've listened to his messages and I usually can go there, but I'm not going to go on that one. Then it turned out, because everybody was canceling, we're in COVID, you're, that's, you know, you can't do that, blah, 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 blah. But then the more I dug into it, it was actually his brother or brother-in-law. He okayed it before the, you know, thing happened, like, it would be like me saying, hey, Amy Jo, I want to spit on you during service. Will you let me? Sure, go for it, Pastor. You know, she okayed it. And so, you know, I, I'll spare y'all today. I won't be spitting at least purposely on anybody, all right? I didn't think I'd get any volunteers on that one. But it was a common thing. So, like, this was actually probably not that out of the ordinary. And again, the word used for Jesus spitting and making the mud, the making the mud became a labor issue. And remember, our Pharisees are very strict. You couldn't even lift anything. Like they, they, they planned the day ahead of Sabbath, cooked everything, had the leftovers ready so you didn't have to do a thing. Moms, maybe we need to take note of that and try that some more, right? I kind of do that on Sunday. It's like, okay, it's Sunday. You can have cereal or whatever you find. Like, I'm done. I'm not doing anything, right? And so this was a technicality. And then the man would have been required when he come back seeing, Jesus would have sent him then to the Pharisees. You got to go to the temple. You got to get cleansed. And they got to okay for you to come back into the temple into community, into the society with us. And that is how they found out it stirred a hornet's nest. They were even, if you, you know, I've done this uh, passage before, they were threatening to throw the parents out of the temple over all of this, right? They forgot to rejoice. A man born blind was seen for the very first time and nobody was rejoicing. I don't know about you, but I just love watching the videos where people get the colorblind glasses who have never seen color the way we see color. If you've never watched those videos, please do. 
Because you will see grown men weeping when they see the colors all around them for the first time. But they wasn't rejoicing. So then I had this question. Well, if spit was a common practice, who knew? Where's the miracle then? Verse 7. Jesus said, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and he washed and he came back seeing. Now let's recap. This man has never seen anyone before. I've, I've shared with you before just my temporary having to wear bandages while my eye healed up. And, and it's just, it's not fun. But the thought that I've never seen before a person's face. And he probably would sit every day in this spot with his cup just sitting out, begging for money. Probably people knew him by now, like they just see him daily to where he doesn't even have to say much. He just sits there on the side. But he he probably hears a lot. See, we forget when people can't see, we forget they can still hear. Because all he offers in verse 11 when they were like, you know, who is this guy that healed you? And he's like, I don't know. They call him Jesus. So he's heard them talking about him before. He just doesn't know a lot about him. But I have to wonder, born blind, how many times had his parents maybe tried to get some treatment for him? How many times had they taken him to somebody that claimed to be able to fix or cure? How many times maybe had he previously had somebody spit on his eyes? Because it was a common thing. So I'm just guessing, this is, this is just my commentary in between the, the, the pages of, of knowing the, the mother's heart of, I would want to help my child if I could, right mothers? We'll make as many trips to children's hospital as it takes to get those little feet straightened out. And bless her heart, little Ava, her, what is it, her left one, they didn't even have to cast this week because it was already... Yeah, yeah, they, they gave her a break because it was kind of a head or whatever is how Casey said it, you know. And I just prayed. I said, God, just straighten those feet out. Let's get ahead of those doctor schedules, right? But we'll do anything we have to, right, mamas and dads? So I'm, I'm just knowing. And not just because of the concern for the child. Again, because of this, this would have kept them out of the temple. And that's a big deal in this society. If you can't go to church, you're not part of the community. It's not just, oh, well, I can't go to church. Whoopee. No, you can't do anything. Like, they would have ostracized you everywhere in the community. So I'm guessing that this man has sat here for all these years, and he's been through who knows what kind of treatments. And then I'm wondering, at what age do you become hopeless? You know what I'm talking about. When, when we face something over and over and over and over and over and over that we finally quit dropping rocks in the jar because we don't see nothing moving. We have those moments. So at some point, I'm guessing he became hopeless. And yet, 
this man named Jesus, who he doesn't even know a whole lot about him, comes up and smears mud and tells him, go and wash yourself. And he did it. He got up one more time and he did what Jesus told him to do. And the man obeyed and well, the rest is history. He went and he did what Jesus told him to and he came back seeing for the very first time. Oh, I can't wait to talk to this man in heaven because I, I, am, I am upset. They didn't give me enough details. I want to see him when he opens his eyes the first time. I, I, I would have loved that. Because his life has now been transformed. And I love the reaction of the community around him. They're saying, wait a minute, isn't this the guy? Like, we've seen him like every day, right? Like, right, it's that guy that's out there at the edge of the road and like sometimes he says hey alms for the blind and sometimes he don't say that that guy right yeah that guy and then some people are even like you know have you ever been there where you know what you saw but your brain just cannot connect it and really say that you saw what you saw right and we begin and so some people are like yeah no I think it's a doppelganger I think it was just somebody that looked like him I don't think it was really him because it didn't compute, right? Like, sometimes it just doesn't. And, and that's why I say, you know, we pray sometimes for that miraculous thing to happen in somebody's life. And I'm telling you, people can see miracles and still ignore them. Right? But this man, he knew. He knew. He'd been transformed. And he's like, I can't even explain it to you. I don't even know where the guy is. How, I love when they say, well, where is he at? How's he going to know what he looked like? He didn't see Jesus. He just followed what the guy said to do. Church, let's not try to make people see Jesus before the time has come. What I, what I mean by that is we want people to see Jesus like I do. Well, I've walked with him for many years. I have a lot of detail in my life. Let's just pray they hear his voice. And obey what he asks of them. My, my prayer oftentimes for people who I've, I feel like have never come to salvation. God, let them hear your voice. Let them hear your voice. And I don't know, maybe the guy, maybe he just thought, whatever, I got to go wash this mud off anyway. I'm, you know, I don't know what he was thinking. Because he obviously didn't understand who Jesus was. But he did it. Obedience. When God tells us to do something, it don't always make sense, does it? But obedience, I think, is where the miracle was that day. And I love that when you read later, the guy, you know, who, who was this guy? I don't know. His name's Jesus. That's all I know. And then they begin to grill him. You know, the Pharisees, they, they just begin to grill him because they, they want to catch Jesus in something. And the guy's like, look, I don't know anything except I was blind. And now I see. And that's all he cared about. I was blind and now I see. Transformation is what Jesus is in the business of. And when we're transformed by Jesus, people begin to talk about it. 
Some will be amazed and some may really won't believe their eyes. They'll still be skeptical. You want to know what was the most amazing part to me of this whole thing as I was reading through? Because this is how I study when I first hit a scripture. I will just read through it and I will begin to say, what's jumping out at me? So when you're reading your scripture, this is how I want you to read. Just read it. Don't get lost in the names. Don't get lost in what you don't know. Just read it. And first of all, just see what jumps out at you. Because that's going to be the Holy Spirit bringing to your eyes. That's, that's why, how many of you love when you read something that you've read so many times before, and all of a sudden you see that something you've never seen before, right? I love when the Spirit does that for me. And I go, why have I never seen this in 20 years? Because it wasn't time for whatever God is working. And so as I was reading, I kept coming back to verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. This man, he wasn't looking for Jesus. This man, he wasn't looking for healing. Do you get that? He was just sitting there doing his thing, trying to survive another day. And Jesus saw him. Some of us are praying for our loved ones. And we're like, man, if I could just get him to church where he could hear the message, he don't have to be here today. Because my Jesus... He sees them right where they're at. Man, I wish that if, if they just asked the right questions, this man didn't ask a single question. And Jesus saw him where he was at. That is my favorite thing out of this whole verse. I'm happy he got healed and all of that. But the hope I have that Jesus sees us right where we're at. And it confirms my own testimony sitting in a bedroom alone trying to read some Bible stuff that my aunt gave me that I didn't have anybody to ask questions to. And Jesus saw me right where I was at. And the Spirit began to ask the right questions and I heard him call my name. And I said, yes. Obedience. Obedience. I think he had given up hope of a different life. And he had just, in his usual place of survival for the day, Jesus saw him. And God used his story to expose the compassion of Jesus to everybody else around him. Church, what would happen if you said yes this morning? What would happen if that thing that God has been speaking to you that makes no sense, really, you just said yes? And maybe that's coming and, and, and praying with somebody at the altar. Maybe that's coming and, and just dropping a rock in that, Lord, I don't know what it really does to move a rock from one bowl to a jar because that's sort of a ridiculous thing we do each week. We, what does a Sharpie do, Lord? I don't know. Because I use Sharpies all the time and there's nothing special in that Sharpie. And, and Lord, it's just a rock. But it's obedience. It's obedience 
that has ripple effects in people's lives. And I promise you, long after these jars are sealed up and set aside, God still hears every prayer. They're trapped in heaven. He heard it. But PJ, it's not moving. And you've probably heard this story. We've, we've had it since we first started youth ministry, and we got frustrated because we didn't see those stinking kids changing. Right? Why do we show up every week? And there's a saying that God told a man, go out and push on that rock every day. And the guy finally just gets fed up and he says, God, I'm done. I have pushed on that rock every single day and it ain't even moved a millimeter. And God said, I didn't tell you to move the rock. I told you to push on it. I'll move it. And God picked that rock up and he moved it. Church. Don't give up on somebody. Somebody that maybe the world has told us is hopeless. Somebody that we've watched over and over as as we feel like they keep failing and they're not getting it. God sees them. Don't give up. You keep dropping rocks. And you keep praying for them. And you pray specifically, God, let them hear your voice. You pray specifically, God, quiet the negative voices so that they can hear your voice today. And then you pray for a softening of their heart so that they will say yes to whatever God asks of them. Are you ready to say yes to whatever God is asking of you today? Your obedience can change the trajectory of your family, can change your trajectory. Lord knows it did mine because I'm this. No. No. But because in a bedroom, when I was just a kid, I said yes, it started me down a path that I couldn't see. What's your path look like? Just a yes. Just a yes. Stand with me this morning. I was reading from a book this morning and... This one sentence so jumped out at me. This is part of a, a guy's testimony that he was writing and talking about when, when he had just so messed up. He lost his family. He lost his career. He lost everything. But he said this. God sees us most clearly when we feel most invisible. God sees us most clearly You see, those Pharisees, they had it figured out. And when you go on to read chapter 9, you're going to see the the gist of the message that Jesus was trying to get through. This man who was physically blind, he wasn't blind. It's you Pharisees who think you know. You think you have it figured out. You think you know what God thinks about other people. You're as blind as it comes. Because they didn't know the heart of the God they claimed to serve. Pray this week your eyes are open to see people that maybe you have walked by day after day and you've never seen them through the eyes of God. I pray that people will see you that way this week. And I pray that you will just say yes to whatever God is asking. Lord, we come today so thankful for a God who sees. Thankful that, Lord, on those days we feel invisible, we feel hopeless. 
We've dropped so many rocks. May we drop one more today. God, may, may your spirit just settle in our hearts today to never give up. Because we never know when that day comes that things will shift and be transformed. This beggar, he could have chose that day not to come. He could have been just too tired to, to sit on the side of the road and he'd have missed Jesus coming by. And Jesus knew. Jesus knew they had an encounter. Lord, I pray for the hearts in here. Maybe maybe somebody needs to say yes for the very first time. Yes, I have sinned and yes, I need a Savior. Then would you move this morning to that yes? God, maybe someone in here, they know you as Savior, but it's time to, to move and let you be Lord of their life. Because at, at salvation, I got all of you, Lord. But sometimes you're waiting for me to give you all of me. Maybe somebody needs to move with a yes with that. And God, I know that there are some hard, heavy hearts in here today. That I've seen the rocks with the names each week. And we're tired. But God, we're still asking you to move. We want to see transformation. We want to see redemption. We want to see salvation. We want to see whole families changed because of who you are. And you're a loving God. Oh, you're a just God. And if we continue to turn our backs on you, we, we have that penalty to pay. But God, you're a loving God that says, I don't want that. And I've made a way for every person. And Jesus said, no one gets to the Father except through me. So if you don't have Jesus this morning, church, it's your only way to get to the Father. Father, we pray for our loved ones that we know that they need that as well. I thank you. I thank you for a message like this, that God, even though I walk in with a heavy heart, I leave with a hope that the ones that I'm praying for, they're not in this room today, but your spirit can go. You can be right there calling their name. And I pray they will hear, open their ears, bind the things of Satan in our loved ones, Father, that keeps them from hearing truth, that they are loved that their identity is in you and that they can be free from the things that are bondage in their life. And they can find that freedom. God, we give you praise today. I praise you for every rock in this jar. I praise you for the things that we've not seen yet, but God, you see it down the road. I pray for the ones that will say yes and be forever transformed. Thank you, Father. Thank you for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of his people together said, Amen. Church family, you have been blessed in the presence of the Lord. Go and be a blessing to someone today. And I look forward to any that want to sit with us in membership and eat a bowl of soup. Have a wonderful but chilly day today. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. 
If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved. Thank you.